You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Now we're going to find ourselves in Revelation 5, and I'm going to read it to you. And there's a lot of things we could point out in Revelation 5, but there's one point I'm really going to hit on. So let me read it to you, and then we'll dive in deeper. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, It's Him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. All right, there's a lot of symbolism in this passage that we could get into today, but I want to focus on one thing. The lion of the tribe of Judah enters the throne room, and this piece right here is key to understanding a lot of the rest of Revelation. You know, a lot of times when when we think of Revelation, if you're like me, you never really wanted to read this book because it's scary, because there's a lot of craziness going on, not just in kind of apocalyptic kind of ways, but violent kind of ways. And you just don't really know what to do with it. 
But this element right here is a key to understand the rest of Revelation. And it's going to put, I think, this book into a light that maybe you haven't seen it before. I think you'll find a lot of the violence taking on a a different kind of form than you thought it was originally taking. Because you see, here's, here's the big deal. We expect God to show up as a lion. We see it happen in the Bible. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, that's a biblical reference in the Old Testament. When we look at stories like Narnia, right, we see Aslan show up, God in the form of a lion. And it's a fine analogy. It works right whenever you come across Aslan, this lion. Like It's like, yeah, this is a great symbol of God. And when you come across it in the Bible, you're like, yeah, this is a great symbol of God. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's the king of, of all the animals. You wouldn't get close to him. You'd be afraid that he could you know, tear you apart limb from limb. You'd be afraid of what he might do to you. But at the same time, he's also a cat. And maybe you've seen the YouTube videos of, of that giant lion cuddling with his old human friend that he hasn't seen in some time. Like, we might start to see, ah, yes, a loving God, but also, like, the, the king, the one we're afraid of. And so when we see God enter God's throne room, when we see Jesus, this lion, enter God's throne room, that is what we expect. But here's the problem. There is no lion in the book of Revelation. See, in my mind, it was always like, behold, the lion. And as the lion walks forward, he turns into a lamb. But there is no lion anywhere in the book of Revelation. Notice what happens. A lion is announced. And when John turns to look at the lion, it is, in fact, a lamb. A bloodied lamb. Not with the blood of his enemies, but with the blood of his own body. Broken. This is a very different image than what the people John is writing to are expecting to hear. This is a very different image than what we're expecting to hear. But as God enters the throne room, it's not this glorious lion who can devour you. It is a slain and bloodied and broken lamb, his own blood all over his coat, hobbling towards a throne to take his rightful place. There is no lion in the book of Revelation. There is only the announcement of the lion. And you turn to look at him and it is just a lamb. It's not the lion and the lamb, as we often end up singing. It's actually the lion is the lamb. And that's hard. That's hard for the people reading Revelation in their time. Because we already saw in these opening books of Revelation, John's like, look, guys, you're going to suffer. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be persecuted, not just by governmental authorities, but also by spiritual authorities. They're all coming for you. You're going to be worn down. And when we look throughout history, we see that. We see that Christians were used to light up uh, the king's garden parties. They just tie them up and set them on fire. And as they burned, that would be the light for the party. John's warning that there is persecution coming 
is a strong warning. But then he goes a distance to say, you know what? That's what it's like to be like Jesus. For the lion is the lamb. Our Savior is a bloodied, broken sacrifice who is glorified to the highest place, who is worthy of the highest place. And maybe that has something to say to us, because you know what? Today we still like the lion figure. (laughs) We still will want to look at God and be like, yeah, just come down and destroy all my enemies. You know, we want to pull a Psalms, pull a King David. And yet, if we were really paying attention, when we look at God and said, come down, destroy my enemies, he would say, I destroyed my enemies by giving my life for them, hoping that they would come to me. I turned my enemies into my friends. Any of you here today who consider yourself a Christian and follow Jesus, at one point we were all his enemy, committing all these sins against a holy and and sacred God. And yet he said, you know what? I love them too much to let that be the end all, to let their own actions be their end all. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to give my self-sacrificial love on their behalf. I'm going to allow them to kill me. And in doing so, I will be the perfect sacrifice. For years upon years, centuries upon centuries, they've been sacrificing these lambs to me. This time, I'm going to be the lamb. Not going to come down there and eat them all and kill them all. I'm going to go down there and die for them. No greater love than that. Jesus has already died for you, and I bet he would do it again. Because that is the worth of your life. To you, you might feel like a little ant. You might feel insignificant. You might not feel like you matter whatsoever. But for the God of the universe, whose feet can be seen through the firmament, as we talked last time, through the expanse, his giant feet, That God made himself small for you. That God made himself a sacrifice for you. And so if you want to follow Jesus, guess what? You live the same way. If the one sitting on the throne is in fact a bloodied, broken lamb, so John is telling the churches that he's writing to, Persecution is coming, and your reaction is to be like Jesus, to look to the king. And as you take on persecution, you do it with love. As you take on abuse, you do it with kindness. And a lot of times we're like, well, what about justice? What about judgment? What about all these things? Look, that's in Revelation too, but Revelation does exactly what the rest of the Bible has been trying to say. Sorry, what the New Testament has especially been trying to say. Paul himself saying like, vengeance is the Lord's. In other words, yeah, there will be judgment, there will be justice, because a loving God who really wants to put all things right, eventually he's going to have to deal with all things wrong. But you are not the vessel of vengeance. You are not the vessel of judgment. You are not the vessel of justice. Your job is to mirror the one on the throne who happens to be not a lion, but a bloodied, 
broken mess of a lamb. That's not the message we want to hear. (laughs) I guarantee you that is not the message that the churches John was writing to wanted to hear. But John's going to go on and talk about all this stuff that is ahead of them, that is going to come on them. And they are to suffer through it like Jesus. So what is it that you're going through? What, What do you already have in your life where you're like, God, I just wish that you would break through here, that you would just come through and fix this problem. Where's the lion mentality in you? And how can you subject that to the lamb to say, okay, God, what I'm going through, I see if you can sacrifice yourself, if you can, if you can suffer through that, so can I. So teach me, as my friend Nathan Foster would say all the time, teach me to suffer well. I've been there. I don't like those times. <laughs> there were these moments where I just wanted all-out lion, all-out vengeance and justice, right? And in these moments, honestly, some of these moments, I'm like, I think I'm right. <laughs> of course, I, I always tend to think I'm right. We all do that, right? But in these like, really significant moments, I'm like, I'm the one who's right. I'm being wronged. And I go to God and I pray And this bloodied lamb, instead of telling me, you are right, devour it, get it over with. This bloodied lamb says, look at me. See how I blessed my enemies. Now pray for these people who are hurting you. I don't want to do that. Okay, well, go a step further. Buy them gifts. What? (laughs) What are you talking about? Bless those who are hurting you. Don't just pray for them. Don't let it just be words. It's kind of like spiritual genie-ness, right? Actually step outside of your comfort zone and try to love them. Oh, I'd rather not. (laughs) Just devour it. No. Sacrifice. Suffer well. Pull through. Again, this is not just like a little component of revelation. This is a key component. A lot of the violence from here on out that you're going to see throughout revelation, if you pay close attention, it's the Christians accepting violence on themselves. A lot of the times, not all the times, but a lot of the times in revelation, it's Christians accepting violence on themselves for the sake of the gospel. It's suffering well. Do not think that God does not care about your suffering when we tell you to suffer well. In the end, there is judgment for all the suffering in the world. But that is not for us to decide. That's for a lamb who's the only one who knows how to decide that. And if you don't know... A main component of the Christian message, it's this. Jesus came. He died for you. He loves you. And if you accept him and follow him and make him your king and put him on the throne in your life, then by that simple act of faith and obedience, you will see the kingdom start to come in your life. You will see heaven start to pour out through you. The Holy Spirit enter you and do things that you could not do by your own strength. You will see suffering well become a possibility. 
and you will be saved from that judgment. Because that's what Jesus does. He says, look, I'm the judge now. This lamb is the judge now. So when the time comes, if anyone has appealed to me, I give them a stamp of approval. So receive that tonight. If you haven't, just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to accept your love for me. And so from here on out, I turn my life over to you and only you. You're in control. Now, if you do that while we're worshiping, I would suggest you go talk to our prayer team. They would just love to pray with you over that. Um, But there are some other things uh, you may need prayer for, too. You may need prayer for healing. You may need prayer for situations you're in. You may need prayer to suffer well. You may need some other prayers. And in a second, uh, Joel's going to give us a few prayers that our prayer team has just sensed for you tonight that very well might be for you or several of you. So the band's going to come up. We're going to get ready to worship for a little bit. We're going to sing a song that if you've heard it before but you didn't know this passage, now you're finally going to connect the dots. He is worthy, this lamb, who you wouldn't think is worthy. He is worthy. Uh, And as we sing that, prayer team will be in the back corner for prayer. So um, Joel's going to come give us some words as we get ready to enter into this time.